you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. This is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Hey, we're coming here with another great podcast. Oh, my gosh. Wow. We just so appreciate it. We're so honored to have all you folks come by. Just so honored today, another day in the life of the podcast, and uh, visit with us, spend time with us, and just be part of the Chris Voss Show family, if you will. Anyway, guys, be sure to go to youtube.com for just Chris Voss. Hit the bell notification button. Subscribe to the Chris Voss Show. And uh, also go to uh, goodreads.com for just Chris Voss. We've got the uh, Goodreads giveaway on my new book. In fact, we got the new Beacons of Leadership book cup in today the coffee cup you can order that up on the website if you like the merch the merchandising as the kids say and uh, you can go to facebook linkedin twitter instagram all those different places to find out more about the show and see everything we're doing today we have an amazing author on the show he's uh, the author of a paperback book that came out in october 2nd 2020 12 hours of heaven lessons for a better world and he's joining us today to talk about his book his name is rick Ornelas. He is a best-selling author, professional coach, and founder of iSpark Change. He teaches entrepreneurs how to level up in all areas of life so they can expand their social impact to spread positive change around the world. Rick wasn't always interested in helping others on a global scale, despite being pushed repeatedly in that direction by a near-death experience, family tragedies, and death. It was it wasn't until the ever-worsening times of 2020 when he was laid off, isolated, and desperate when he finally got the wake-up call. His awakening came in the form of divine inspiration and an awe-inspiring spiritual connection when he least expected it. He went from being isolated and hopeless to writing a best-selling book, 12 Hours of Heaven, Lessons for a Better World, in under three months while envisioning and creating an incredible future. He's been, full, uh, he's been featured in multiple media outlets, including national and international television radio. He's a guest contributor for various websites, radio writer for Lifehack, and has provided inspiration as a guest on over 50 podcasts, and now it's 51. Welcome to the show, Rick. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Chris. Uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much for having me. It's really a blessing. Thanks for coming, man. It's uh, really awesome, and congratulations on the book. Three months you punched this baby out, huh? Yes. It wasn't expected that it was going to be three months. That it just happened that way. I don't think it was my plan. It was someone else's plan that it would be three months. But I started out just very methodically. Hey, I research online, oh, 500 to 1,000 words a day and just start going about the process. And then all of a sudden it you know, took a turn when I was about halfway and, and the writing just flourished. And, hmm. and then it you know, was done in under three months. That's a hell of a road. I did mine in six. I think the principal writing was over three months for the editing and everything, but mine was done in six. And that's a hard road to do it that quick. I can tell you it's a hard road, which I'm sure. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That was my original thought. I was like, oh, maybe it'll take about six months, but (laughs) 
<laughs> I've had a few people look at me. I took two years to write my book. You're crazy, man. <laughs> so give us your plugs where people can find you on the interwebs, learn more about you, and of course, order up the book. Hopefully they can find me on the interwebs and the internet, but it's uh, the, the best place to, is just at isparkchange.com. So the letter I and then sparkchange.com. It's, uh, that's the website, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, all the, all the platforms. If they search iSpark Change, they'll find it. 12 Hours of Heaven is on Amazon. So if they search 12 Hours of Heaven on Amazon, they'll find it there. You mentioned Goodreads for your book. It's on Goodreads, on uh, Google Play, in- Ingram Spark, basically any platform, they'll be able to, uh, to find it, order it the way the way they want in uh, paperback or, or Kindle version. Haven't done the audiobook, audiobook yet, but would love to do that too. That thing's a pain in the butt. I'm trying to do mine right now. Oh my gosh. Wow. So congratulations on the book. What motivated you want to write this book? What was the, I alluded to some of it, but let's hear. Well, that really goes back 20 years and I'm not going to give you a 20 year story, but what happened 20 time. years ago, <laughs> we've got time. What, what happened 20 years ago, Chris, was I was a young parent, my wife and I, we had two young daughters at the time. We now have three that are grown, but we had two young daughters. They were one and four at the time. And we were living in California and we were driving uh, back from a kid's birthday party on a Sunday evening and it started raining crazy, like it, it doesn't rain in Southern California to where cars had pulled off the side of the road and they're not driving. And, and we contemplate doing that briefly, but then it was getting dark and my wife it's like, well, it's just going to be worse. We need to just continue on slowly. So we continue on slowly and we're in the slow lane of the 118 freeway in Los Angeles. And I hit a puddle and start hydroplaning and start spinning out of control. Oh, no. And we spin out of control four lanes to the left. And we're about to hit the center divider. And I'm trying to steer and I'm screaming and my wife is screaming. And, and for some reason, we don't hit the center divider and we start spinning the opposite direction. And we spin, continue to spin. It's just it's like a scene from planes, trains, and automobiles or something. We're spinning out of control, and we spin off the shoulder, up a dirt embankment. We hit a brick wall, and we flip over completely and land back on the wheels. Wow. That's quite a motion. Usually people get ejected from cars and killed, and the more yeah. car rolls, the more active it is, and it's crashes. It gains velocity and uh, damage. So whatever was there ruin? That's the crazy thing is that... The, the car was totaled, the roof was smushed down to our heads, the windshield was shattered, the right side, the glass was all shattered, the right side was smashed in from hitting the wall, and we were all completely unharmed, not a scratch. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, my, my wife said, oh, my shoulder's a little sore from hitting the wall, but we get out and there's nothing. There was, mm-hmm. The car was filled with glass, no cuts, that we crawl out of my side, we get the kids out, they're in their car seats, they'd been asleep, thankfully, and they, they were crying now, but they get out. And an elderly couple had pulled over to see if we were alive. They had called 911 and and the lady wraps my wife in a blanket and my wife's sitting there crying, holding my daughters. And the gentleman tells me, he said, that's the most incredible thing I've ever witnessed in my whole life. And this is like a 75 year old man. He's like, I'm never, I can't believe you're, you're alive that you got out of that. And even the next day when I went to pick up our things from the impound yard, the attendant at the office, he didn't believe it was my car. Cause he said, whoever's driving that car is dead. Like that. Wow. And I was like, I had to convince him it was my car so I could get my stuff. And that's where the original idea came for the book because going back to your original question, because I really started reflecting on my life and what had happened. And people were like, that's a miracle. Your guardian angel protected you. And my mom gave me a little angel pin to put in the car on the visor. And one day I'm staring up at that and then bam, 
just like that, the idea for my book hits me like a movie. Like I just watched it from start to finish. Wow. That's awesome, man. Inspiration comes from the darndest of sources. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, at that time, I was like, man, I really should write this down. And like I said, I was a young guy, still figuring shit out. And I wrote like half a word document page and then never did anything with it. Oh, and wow. And you fast forward to last year when I've got a bunch of time on my hands, I'm anxious and isolated. And I was like, okay, now's the time to write this and inspire myself and hopefully inspire others. So tell us what the overall arc of the book is, and maybe give us some in insight into the title, please. So the book is about an angel that is sent down from heaven to help some people on earth uh, is the essential you know, framework for the story, which is, I think, why it came to me that way, because I was like, oh, angel came down and protected us or, or helped us through what was happening through our challenge, and then helped me afterward in that time after the accident of reflecting and, and becoming a better person. But what happens is the angel, he finds himself trapped in an elevator with 10 different individuals and they're trapped overnight. So that's hence the title, 12 Hours of Heaven. They're trapped overnight in this elevator. And during the time that they're confined there, he's able to help each one of them through a big challenge that they're having in their life. Oh, wow. And he's able to teach all of them some lessons for a better world, hence the subtitle but teach them some lessons that they can go out and improve their life and improve the lives of others and, and hopefully change the world. And, and that's what uh, he teaches each one of them a lesson and then some for all of them. And then he grows in his understanding of who he is and how he can grow as an angel. Wow, man. That, 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 that uh, gives you some ideas. Note to self, catch elevators with angels, eh? <laughs> Plus you get some free stuff. I don't know out of it. They're not like yeah. genies though with the wish thing, right? They're <laughs> Can't yeah, it's not a, not a genie, but but yeah, I mean, it would it would be something that would be magical to have that experience. Yeah, yeah, especially as long as they don't have those wings. There, hey, it's okay, buddy. There's only so much room on this elevator. Give us some give us some uh, teasers out of the book that uh, you thought, or maybe some interesting stories, or let's touch on a few things. We don't want to give away too much in the book, but give us some teasers on maybe someone who got helped in the elevator. Sure, sure. I'll, I'll give you one teaser first, just because you mentioned it. So the people on Earth, the and it's a, it's a wide range of different people. They don't know that he's an angel. They just oh. know that he's someone else that's trapped in the elevator with. Okay. Him. So wow. So no wings, no big wings. They're flapping around in the elevator or anything like that. Darn it! I was gonna. <laughs> yes. I was gonna stand in elevator corridors. The buildings watch for wings, but so <laughs> yeah, they don't know who exactly. he is. So they don't. Do they? As they're going through the process with him of him helping him, do they have any idea? Does it come to him at the end that like, I don't want you to blow the ending of the book, but is there like a time where everybody figures it out or? I'll say no. I don't want to give away anything towards the end, but no, not really. That, wow. that they know that he's just someone that is, he's someone that is a, a good listener that can connect with. So there's people that range. There's from a 15 year old girl to an 80 year old grandmother so he's someone that can connect with anyone in the elevator, is a great listener, is very wise beyond his years. And, and one, one of my, my favorite characters is she's actually the first character that you start to learn her story. And, and she's Carly. And she's a young mother, a young single mother who has a, just a two-month-old baby that is. And so she's struggling with changing her life of of partying and just being all about herself and now having to care for this child. Mm -hmm. And uh, the angel's name is Ezra. 
And Ezra's able to Ezra's able to help her see that she needs some gratitude in her life. He teaches her to show gratitude and practice that on a daily basis and be grateful for all the, the blessings that she has in her life. And, and she grows quite a bit just in that short time. And that's what makes it very special and magical is that in just those 12 hours, they're able to, to grow and to change what would take people months or years or, or a lifetime. So why did you call the angel Ezra? Was there a, a reason you chose that name? Yes. Ezra means a helping one, one who helps. Ah, one who helps. Yes. Oh. And that's, yes, that's why I chose the name Ezra. And uh, it's a biblical name, but so it fits right there with angel. Yeah, it does. But I didn't know the background. of That's really interesting. One who helps. They're stuck in this elevator. And I would have lost my mind if I get stuck in an elevator. I'm probably claustrophobic or something. The angel would have been like, we're just going to send you to heaven because you're just, you're having issues or something. Maybe you'd fix my claustrophobia or something. So are, are a lot of the issues that he helps people with, are these like problems, like things on their journey of life, the lessons they need to learn? What's the process maybe if you, I don't know if you want to dig into some of that. Yeah, sure. I, I will because it's, it's part of, it's part of what connects us as human beings. So as you were just saying, Chris, that the journey of life, we're all a collection of our experiences that have brought us to whatever point we are in life, right? The experiences, the relationships, the interactions, that, that's, what, that's what gets us to where we are to today. And the people in the elevator are no different. These characters in the elevator, you have the young mother and you have the, the older veteran, and then you have the grandma, and you have the, the businessman, the wealthy businessman. And, and so there's a wide array of people, and they all come with that, we'll just use the word baggage, if you will, of their journey that they've been on. And so what Ezra helps them do is he, in his assessment of seeing them interact with each other, he starts to figure out where what they're lacking in their life, what they're missing. So for example, Carly, it was gratitude. She was missing some gratitude in her life, but he helps them. So we'll continue on with the baggage. He helps them to unpack some of the the things that they have been lacking in their life and, and where what they need more. And it, it's really through conversation, them sharing their story, them opening up to him and, uh, and not keeping things inside and not just uh, suffering in silence, if you will. Hmm. So what made you pick uh, some of the characters in the book? What was the choice choices you made behind that? Why did you choose them? Chris, I wanted there to be a, an array of different personalities. And early on, when I first had the idea 20 years ago, I knew that it was going to be 10, 12 people in the elevator because I knew that I, wa I had these lessons that I wanted to impart and those would each be tied to a character but i didn't know what character would be tied to whom or, or how that would develop but as i as i started creating the outline for the book and working on that's where the characters really took shape that's where they really took a life of their own because i could see the character that really just in my mind's eye what character fit the problem that they had so one one character needed to learn how to give more and, and that's the wealthy businessman and the uh, big John. And he needs, need, needs to learn how to give more. And someone that needs to learn how to give that character of a wealthy, you know, very wealthy individual who owns a, owns a multi-million dollar company. It just fits that would be someone that, that needed to give more. And that's really how they. And what choices of lessons 
What made you pick some of the variety of choices of lessons that the people had to learn? What did you draw from for that? So that goes back to, to the accident. That goes back to the accident 20 years ago. In that time, what I had said earlier about how I went through a period of, of time where I was really reflecting and growing and realizing that something special had happened, that, that we had survived that accident for a purpose. And originally, right after the accident, even immediately, like when we're standing there on the side of the road and this old man is telling me that's the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Inside, as a young, arrogant man, I was like, was it really that bad? Eh. And then the next day, you know, the guy's saying you should be dead. I'm like, yeah, I'm tough. I'm, you know, macho guy, whatever. And I'm thinking those things. And as I reflect on that for a period of months, I literally wrote myself what I call the to-do list of for every day, things that I wanted to live by, like mm-hmm. being present, which is one of the lessons in the book, being grateful, which show gratitude is one of the lessons in the book. And I wrote this list of living life like it's the last day that I have on this earth with all these, with this list of things. And those became a credo that I lived by for up until now. Mm. And those were the foundation of what these people would be taught. I didn't use, you know, every single thing from the list, but those were the foundation because those were very important for me in my life over the past 20 years. Yeah. So did the making a list like that, did that really help you focus on, on what you need to do and how to do it? Give us some more insight to the list. And maybe if you want to share some of the tidbits you put on it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What I think writing that was very cathartic for myself in terms of realizing that I wasn't invincible, that, that I was, I needed to be more focused on my family, be more focused on my faith, be more focused on others as opposed to myself. Because as I said, I was young, we had two kids, but I was still learning what it was to be a parent. I was still self-centered in many ways and wasn't focused on others. And by by writing this list of saying, you know, family comes first and treat others the way that you want to be treated. And, and being, like I said, being grateful, being present, helping others in difficult times, all these things that I wrote on there, they were really trying to convince myself that these are what the things that were more important in life. These are what I I had to work on. And I think the reason I didn't write the book back then is because probably mentally, spiritually, I wasn't ready to write that. I wasn't in the place that I am now after 20 years of growth as a human being. Like we said, that journey, 20 years of of growth of many life experiences and all these things that have taught me many more lessons and have brought me to the point where I could say, okay, now I can share this because I've learned a little wisdom over the years. (laughs) Was there a bit of humbling that you went through with the coronavirus that cause you to really sit down and put you in the right uh, space uh, mind frame to write the book? You hit the nail on the head. Absolutely. 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 There was because the first was the humbling that all of us got, which was a loss of control, mm-hmm. which was that I'm someone that likes to be in control. And now all of a sudden when that happened, uh, you no longer have control. You don't have control over tomorrow. You don't have control over where you can go all the areas that we lost control in. And so that was a very uncomfortable place for me and very humbling, as you said. And then also I had my business had slowed down. I had a bunch of clients that had said they need to put their services on hold. 
one client that I was the COO for. They had to lay me off from that position. So I, I went from my income dropped essentially to nothing. And then wow. you know, all this time and it became a very, uh, yeah, very humbling, very challenging time. Anxious, anxious time. Yeah. We all kind of went great time that. of learning. I'm wondering how many books came out of this whole section. I, I had the same experience where I was like, I've been supposed to write a book for the last 20 years. Uh, I guess I'll do it. And yeah, I just caught fire with it. But sometimes you know, I tried to write books over the last 10 years and I just couldn't get inspired. I just couldn't get it done. And sometimes it's just when the times and you feel the motivation or the inspiration, you just do it. And I figured, screw it too. What else am I doing? <laughs> Yeah, I'm locked in my basement. We're all locked away like Jack Nicholson from The Shining. And we're like going, "Eh, I'm looking at the walls somewhere. Yeah, it's so true. And I've spoken to, so in the past year and a half, I've connected with people from all over the world. I've had these Zoom calls with everyone and, and you obviously with your show and at least 20 people that I've met that have written books in, in the past year and a half, at least probably more that I could if I start looking on all my connections, I'd probably see many more people mm-hmm. that had written books. And I, I think history will look back at this pandemic as a almost like a, a renaissance period, like a great awakening for a lot of people. Yeah, it better be a renaissance of something that we survive it and go, you know, maybe we're better for all that. Sadly, a lot of people's lives got lost and a lot of loss took place, but maybe things got better because, man, if we don't learn from some of the failures we had this time around, Boy, you know what they say, people who don't learn from their mis- <laughs> their history are doomed to repeat it. What are some other things we haven't touched on? Well, a big one is the theme of sparking change and spreading mm-hmm. positive change. That's a theme that's woven throughout 12 Hours of Heaven uh-huh. um, about uh, sparking change and that one individual can make a difference. That's why those uh-huh. lessons are called For a Better World, because it's and because of writing 12 Hours of Heaven, as I was saying in that time where my writing flourished, I went through a period of about a month and a half where I became very spiritually connected and, and my writing went from 500 words in a day to over 2000 in a couple hours. And, and I was having dreams and visions and going through this period of hyper creativity where I'd wake up at all hours of night and have just a ton of ideas and creativity. And that's where I created the I spark change organization, which mm-hmm. is about, as you shared in the intro is about, connecting and empowering others to show them how to spread positive change and elevate their social impact. Because what I found was that I wasn't alone in thinking that I'm too small to make a difference. For years, I think I was going around thinking, oh, it's just me. Like I can, sure, I can volunteer over here or help this person over there, but does that really make a big difference? And what I realized is there's so many people that believe that when the reality is by changing from inside and changing ourselves, and any little tiny action that that does make a difference that has that ripple effect that can change the world. It can make a difference in the world. That's important. A lot of people feel that they feel helpless. They feel like well, I don't have a big enough platform or an audience or I'm just a little me. What impact do I have in the world? And stories like this are important to give people the vision that anybody can make a difference really when it comes down to it. And that's the power of it. It doesn't really cost anything to help other people, to care, to go the extra mile, to reach out and support people. It doesn't cost anything, usually. It doesn't just being kind to one each other and sometimes paying it forward in that space. I remember sometimes I'd go to 
um, Starbucks at my local Starbucks. And one of their favorite things to do is somebody had always paid it forward on the bill. And so they would be like doing the whole thing and you pull up and hey, the guy behind you paid for you. You want to pay for the people behind you? And you're like, yeah, and you just let her ride. Just simple little things. Sometimes just calling someone up and saying, hey, I care about you and thank you. I appreciate you. The little things. So I think it's important what you've outlined in helping people see that vision. Yeah, you're exactly right, Chris. And, And those exact examples are examples I've used on interviews and examples I've written about um, in articles on ways that people can spread positive change. And even at iSpark Change right now, when people sign up for iSpark Change, they get a, a download of 25 creative ways to spread positive change that are free and easy and simple. And the what people when people get in that habit of paying it forward, and that I mentioned that in 12 Hours of Heaven about paying it forward or the law of reciprocity or doing unto others or the golden rule, whatever you want to, however you want to phrase it as, that's a very simple rule to live by. It's something that's very simple to make a part of your life. And when you do that, like you said, it doesn't typically cost anything and it it really does shift your mindset. So when you shift to that mindset of service or even, Hey, I'm just going to give a little bit, I'm just going to give a little bit more Then the, as the old saying cliche goes, you're the one that gets all the reward. You're the one that gets all the gifts in return and, and all the, the blessings in return. And, and that's what so many people, unfortunately, in this world don't realize. They're more of a me first, let me take a kind of mentality. And the more people can realize, nope, actually, by giving, I'm, I'm going to get back tenfold or a hundredfold, mm-hmm. um, that it's totally worth it. And you do coaching too, ultimate success coaching. I'm seeing you're looking at your website. Yes, yes. And I phrased it that because, because what was happening with a lot of clients is I had started with a, a business coaching um, company in 2015, which I still have. And what happened is so many of those coaches or those clients were just having phenomenal success. And it wasn't just in their business. My original name of that company was Strategic Medical Consulting. And then after a few years, I changed it to Strategic Medical Coaching because what happened was we started out consulting them them on their business and then started coaching them more around their life and in in different areas. And then they started having success in so many different areas in their relationships and their business and their personal life. And that's what it's really about. That's why I want to help people be the best version of themselves get to whatever their definition of success is to, to get to that version of ultimate success. That's awesome. How do you incorporate the book in your coaching? How does that work? It's interesting that you ask that because I've never really considered the book, a platform oh. or something to utilize in my coaching. However, what's happened is that my clients, they hear, oh, you have a book, and then they want to read it, and then they read it, and then all of a sudden I have a client telling me, oh, I've been practicing gratitude every day, and I've noticed that I'm much happier, and that I, it, it's really, it um, is really benefiting me, and my relationship's better, and, and that they start implementing something from, that they've learned from the book, or even like my, my daughter's boyfriend, same thing. He read the book, and I you know, never per se, coached him a little bit in the gym, but but he, all of a sudden he's, oh yeah, I've been practicing stillness where I'm still for times of the day. And and I think because there's that law of familiarity where you're too close. If you tell anything I tell my wife, she's going to go in one ear and out the other. So she 
sees it on the internet and then, oh yeah, I got to try that. You got to try that, right? So we have that law of familiarity. So these clients, if I told them in a coaching session, they might not necessarily do it, but because it comes, you know, from a character in the book, a kind of a third party, if you will, even though they're, it's a book I wrote, then they're like, oh yeah, I better try that. And I'm going to implement that. Yeah. Do you see more books coming as a series of this first book? As a matter of fact, that is correct. <laughs> so well, not long after I finished, I was sharing, even before the book had come out, I was sharing that I had written a book with a, a friend. And in the time that I was discussing it with her, just like the original story had hit me like that, where I had the idea in my head, as I'm sharing talking to her about it and discussing the, the characters and everything right away. I had the idea for six additional books in oh, the wow. series. It's just six additional books. And I saw the titles and everything very clear in my head. And so the, the, the next book, which is actually a follow-up book to the original, some of the others will, will more stand alone, but this one is a, is a follow-up book, a continuation of the story, if you will. That one I've started working on. That should be good then. I imagine you can write a lot of different lessons that people can learn and stuff in the series where people can learn about. There's a million lessons to learn. Like. So many. And some of the ideas I've had, Chris, are in appealing to different audiences with different lessons. So for example, I I want to write a children's book where it's simple lessons that, that young, young children can relate to and ones that, that they can use in their life and that their parents are probably teaching them, obviously, but they'll see it in a creative story and it will resonate with them. And, and, and that's why I think some of those ideas came from when I was speaking to that friend because she has two young sons and they're nine and seven. And she was saying, well, can I read the book to them? Will they understand it? And I was like, maybe the nine-year-old, maybe, I don't know about the seven-year-old. And and then she's like, you need to write a children's book. And then I was like, yes, I do. I do need to write a children's book and you know, something for younger children and maybe one for that tween age. And Yeah, there you go. Teens yeah. need a lot of support and a lot of learning. It's so hard to them for them to deal with some of the stuff. I was talking about a friend of mine who has kids in junior high and high school and especially girls. And he goes, man, they are so mean to each other. And it's really hard. And yeah, I think there's a lot of different books. you could, There's a million different lessons in life. Do you think you'd stick with the same character or would you use different angels or? Well, they're in the, in the story and this won't really give anything away. Ezra, the main character, the story begins with him recanting this story to his protege, who's a young angel, Annabeth. Oh. And so he's telling her the story of what happened when he was sent down to earth and trapped in this elevator. And so I have, for example, the children's book, I've thought of Annabeth being the character in, in that story because she's a young, younger female angel that she'd be better suited with, with young, with young children and, and teaching them than uh, Ezra. And yes, I've have thought I have thought of other angels being being involved in in uh, these different books. That might be interesting different genres or different uh, flavors of angels that uh, maybe are more unique like a female angel, maybe there's some female lessons, maybe some children angels. I don't know why I'm giving you ideas for your book. This is your book. But uh, no, it's very interesting. Your ideas are all welcome. Like I said, I just from conversations, that's where I have new ideas. Yeah, that's where I got mine. I talked to my friends ad nauseum to a point that they're like, we really are done talking to you for a while because you're crazy. <laughs> but there was a point where I was actually, I think I locked myself over the July 
was the July 4th holiday for four days in my office writing, forcing myself to write 12, 18 hours a day. Yeah, somewhere in there, I was starting to be like Jack Nicholson, where I'm like, all work and no play makes Jack a daughter boy. Yeah. Did, did, and, did you type that over on your computer? I like typed it times? to my friends. I texted it to my friends, and they went, <laughs> oh, boy, he's crossed over. He's crossing over. <laughs> Yeah, they were all like that scene in The Shining where she walks in or his wife walks in and finds the papers all there in the typewriter and she's, oh, this is gone bad. Where's the next? <laughs> and uh, somehow I survived. I think I survived. I, I, who knows? It could be like uh, Bruce Willis in that movie, I See Dead People, and I passed away from it and I'm just entertaining everybody from here on out. But anyway. Well, I would uh, hope not because we're having this conversation. Unless well, it's... Yeah. it's going to be a future book, me talking to, yeah. to an angel on the podcast. There you go. There's another uh, thing <laughs> where you can have Bruce Willis star in that movie. So this has been pretty insightful. Anything more you want to impart uh, to us on, on the book? Anything more you want to tease out? One thing first, not necessarily about the book, but, but just about the uh, spreading change. Just that for people to take action, to not be afraid, that just because they're one person, they can make a difference. Any tiny little positive change in themselves is going to make a difference that affects others, whether they realize it or not. And any little thing, like you were saying earlier, painted forward, smiling at a stranger, just any little thing, those actions all do have a compound effect that, that grows and grows beyond what they can ever realize or what they ever will see. And then two is if someone's been inspired today or they'd like something they heard to go check out uh, 12 Hours of Heaven or go check out Ice Spark Change or both and... If they go to Ice Park Change or follow us on social media, they'll see daily inspiration, motivation, spiritual content. They'll see some great content on a regular basis, and um, and they can join the, where you're going to. Uh, we're growing this community because eventually we want to impact one billion people, and we want to morph our online community into the world's first social media platform that's geared towards spreading positive change, connecting people that are doing good in the world and uh, having a, a one central hub for all of them to be a part of. Awesome sauce. This is a real important thing, and it's good you're uplifting the world in your own way with your stories, and uh, that's the beauty of storytelling and writing books. Uh, Rick, give us your plugs uh, one more time so people can find you on the interwebs. If they go to isparkchange.com, so the letter I, sparkchange.com, that's, that's where they can join isparkchange. That's the logo that they'll see if anyone's watching the podcast, a little logo of the the person with the world and the spark and same thing on all social media platforms. I spark change, especially Instagram and Facebook. They can join the Facebook group and then 12 hours of heaven on Amazon or any platform. They can Google that and download or pick up a copy. There you go. Thank you very much for being on the show with us, Rick. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. It's been a pleasure and I've really enjoyed our conversation. It's been a fun time. And a pleasure of mine. Thank you very much. Order up the book, folks. Go to wherever fine books are sold. 12 Hours of Heaven, Lessons for a Better World. And uh, order that book up. Share with your friends. Uh, hey, it's almost Christmas time. This would be a great book you can give away to your friends, uh, maybe some religious uh, family and stuff on the holidays. So there you go. Give it that uh, holiday plug. We're, we're getting down to Christmas, aren't we? It's, it's almost Thanksgiving. <laughs> what the heck? Anyway, there you are. Anyway, guys, thanks for tuning in. Go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Hit the bell notification button. Go to Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. You can see both Rick and my book there. Give it some love. Also go to Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, all those places that we're at. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Be good to each other, and we'll see you guys next time.